But you know what? We also do like to comment on what's going on culturally as well and break down some stereotypes, maybe. So we're going to show you a video that's really stereotypical. But we're going to have a vote afterwards to see if any of the men in this place, please take your seats, that's great, if you have got your own man drawer, a place where you put things. Why? Has your man got a man drawer? A place that you are not allowed to go to, perhaps. Just watch the screen with us. We don't, we don't want for much, man. As long as we can have access to one draw, don't we need one for man draw. This isn't a draw that we were earmarked earlier on. A draw is the kind of available. We will tentatively inquire as to its usage. That will leave you to be using this. I've got the key. 
king put us. There will be the elderly man on the way with you. Fine. You must pay him in drama. <laughs> Father and mother. 
The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, My child, get up. And at that moment her life returned, and immediately she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Today, there are lots of kind of stereotypes aren't there, about dads and, and men. But today we're going to kind of talk about people as well as men. But uh, a lot of this will be applicable to you as a dad. There are many definitions of dad. I don't know what your definition is of a dad. Um, I, I think that there are some stereotype things. What, what, what I try and do is I try and be a dad that adds value. That everywhere I am, that I add value. So despite all the stereotypes, and there are lots of stereotypes, but like, for instance, you've seen me doing dancing at the front of the church, haven't you? Yeah? Some of you said no, that is dancing, it's just my form of dancing, okay? And some people call it dad dancing, you know, the pastor shuffle. I, I can teach it to you guys, but you know, you'll, you'll need it. And then there are the dad jokes, aren't there? You know, dad jokes are so funny, aren't they? To the dad. Like, for instance, uh, one dad was just driving home, he said to his wife, he said, Oh, you know, the, the actress has just been killed. He said, what, what do you mean? Well, that actress has just been killed. Uh, what's her name? And she said, Reese. Do you mean Reese Witherspoon? He said, no, it's with a knife. I'm sure it was with a knife. <laughs> you know, like the dad joke when you, when you cross a snowman with a vampire, what do you get? Frostbite? Who's shouting Frostbite out? That was a good dad over there. You know, there are some stereotypes, aren't there, about dads? And then there are the dad rules. You know, the rules that must be obeyed every time we go on a long trip, we must check the battery. Or just look at it, or something like that. But today, we're going to talk about a dad who doesn't just follow the stereotypes, but first of all, he is a dad who engages with God. He, he engages with God. He's a dad who is, is confident socially, who doesn't just shut himself off, but is able to become public with his faith. But he's also a dad who will look out for his family. Now, whether you've got a family or not today, we need to be people who connect with God, who can minister to people, and we also need to be people who look out for other people. But this this dad looked out for his daughter. And what I want to say to you is, my definition of being a dad is, don't be a king on a throne that just takes up space in the, in the, in the house. But be someone who adds value. Would you like to walk with us? We want to look at five characteristics of Jairus. And Pastor Nick's going to share the first one. Yes, these points will come up on the screen behind us. And the first one is... Prominence. That Jairus had prominence in his community. Now, prominence means being important or famous or noticeable. 
And as the local synagogue leader, Jairus was a very prominent person in his community. A synagogue leader would have been a bit like being a pastor. Uh, he would have been someone who served and led and took responsibility. Uh, he would have helped the community to get together and to... Uh, he would have helped people to hear from God. Now, Jairus had prominence. And his example shows us that being prominent and being a dad are perfectly compatible things. They can go together really, really well. And I think this is the first thing that Jairus teaches us. That whether or not you fulfill an important role or position in your community or workplace or whatever... As a father, you will always have prominence to your kids. You just will. It, it's a gift that kind of comes from God, and it kind of you automatically receive that as you become a father. Uh, that you just are hugely prominent to your children. Now, as dads, we must never overlook that or forget the great influence that we have and the prominence that we have as, as our as our kids' dad. We can have tremendous influence upon our children. And I would say that even extends to dads where perhaps there's been a disconnection or that maybe uh, you, you perhaps didn't know who your biological father was. That, that dad still has influence and prominence because you wonder about things like genetic traits and character and talents and things like that. In lots and lots of ways, many children get their idea of who God is from what their dad is like. And that happens and gets formed in that first five or six years of life that's so key. Uh, and as, uh, for those of us who were fortunate enough to grow up with Dad around us, uh, he was kind of our hero. Do you remember that when you were really young and your dad was just like amazing and he was just like your hero? Yeah? Um, I remember when I was quite small, I was about eight, I think, my dad made me this really great go-kart. It's like a push-along one. And uh, what we, we lived in a fairly rural area, and what we would do is that on an estate which was next to those fields, and we would go out and collect uh, used shotgun cartridges from the fields where people had been shooting, and we'd gather them all together, and we'd put them in the cul-de-sac where the cars weren't going to drive, and we'd, we'd make raceways for our go-kart. And, and my go-kart was usually a winner, because my dad had this really sharp idea, which was, uh, don't have, you know how some go-karts have that kind of really wobbly steering in the spring? My dad thought that was nonsense, and he put like a proper bar in place that was really easy to steer it and really solid. And so what happened was, I, I won lots of the races, and loads of kids on the estate wanted to be in my team. And that's because my dad was cool. He did the right thing. And we did, when we're younger, we kind of look up to our dad as a bit of a hero. He was really great. When I became uh, a dad myself, uh, you may or may not believe this, but I actually came second in a primary school dad's race. I did. Now, I got beaten by a fireman, who was very, very fast, like he was Usain Bolt fast, but I came second, and my lad George, who was about six at the time, he was proud of me as we walked home. He was. He was very, very proud of me. Um, I actually think that prominence that you have in your kids' lives as a dad, it's kind of an automatic gift that you get given simply by being a dad. But as we get older, and as our kids get a little bit older and maybe a little bit more cynical, here's how you keep that prominence. You keep it by serving and leading and loving your kids and adding value, as Marcus said. Jairus was a person who had prominence because he served and he led and he took responsibility. And it just so happened he was the local pastor. But no matter what you do this morning, dads out there, if you serve and you love and you lead, you'll always be a bit of a hero to your children. 
Yeah, you know, that word prominence isn't really featured for Christians, is it, Pastor Nick? Uh, you know, like, it's kind of like we don't like to think, oh, we can be prominent people. But, you know, not just dads, but everybody here, perhaps you need to take prominence at work. You need to stand out at work and be an example, or in your family. And instead of hiding, you know one of the only people who hid in the Bible, this is seven times, but every time you see hiding in the Bible, like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, for instance, or, or Saul hiding, it's never a good thing. And I just feel like I should say to some people here, are you hiding? Or can you allow God to bring you the prominence that you're supposed to have? Jairus was not afraid to be prominent, prominent to serve, to come out from the crowd and to stand out. We're going to go through five feet today. The second one that we want to share with you about uh, Jairus was he prostrated himself or threw himself down or bowed down to Jesus and was willing to express himself in his spirituality in front of the crowd. Great dads, great people are not afraid to get on their knees before Jesus no matter what anybody thinks. They're, they're not afraid to express themselves spiritually. You know, this is the issue with most men's spirituality. There's a trade-off between expressing your spirituality and engaging with God. That you think, I can't engage with God unless I express myself in a certain way. And many men particularly say, oh, if I express myself to God, somehow I'm giving something of my manhood away. We want to say to you, Jairus, as a leader, as a prominent man, threw himself at Jesus' feet. You see, expression and engagement, it's, it's not the trade-off you think it is. We often don't engage because we're afraid to express but, but listen, your expression is your expression. The way that you express yourself, that's fine. But here's the question that you need to ask and answer to yourself. In my expression, whether that be laid back, whether that be outgoing, whatever it is, am I engaging with God? Am I actually connecting with God? Am I actually touching heaven? And heaven is touching my heart. If in your lack of expression that you're so worried about how you might come across, you're not engaging, then I would encourage you to be like Jairus that says, I'm not afraid to engage. Because people who don't engage often become estranged. How is your God heart connection today? As everyone, not just the men. The third thing, and very much related to uh, what Pastor Martin has just said, is petition. Jairus petitioned to Jesus. And a petition is when you take your case to someone to ask them to act on your behalf. And I don't know if you know this, but in the UK, uh, it's possible to raise a petition on the government website, and if you get enough support for it, it gets debated in the Houses of Parliament. 
There's currently just under 2,000 live petitions open uh, with our government at the moment, and many of them are to do with Brexit, as you might imagine. A petition is a really serious request you are making because the issue you are asking about really, really matters a lot to you. And so when politicians or leaders receive a petition, they know that the request has some real weight behind it, and it's really important to the person or the people making it. Jairus petitioned Jesus. He sought Jesus out and he presented his case. His only girl was dying. He had no other plans left. And I think it's really significant that he was prepared, that Jairus was prepared to petition Jesus because he, as a synagogue leader, he would have had people come to him with their petitions and their issues. So he would have known what that would have felt like. Something inside of him made him realize it was worth giving this Jesus person a try. There's actually something really lovely about the way these stories uh, connect together. Uh, the issue of uh, Jairus' daughter being healed and raised from the dead, but also the woman needing the healing from the issue of blood. Um, they're, they're kind of linked because both Jairus and the woman have exhausted all other avenues or possibilities. And despite their different needs, Jesus was all they had left. They both petitioned Jesus from their different places of need, but they were connected by a common need to petition. I've got to say that as a parent, uh, whenever it seems like there's absolutely nothing else that you can do, it brings you to a place of petition, doesn't it? Uh, it's kind of like you saying, Lord, I'm raising the alarm with you because I don't know what else to do. I've got nothing else. You, I need you to help me. And so, so Dad, today I would really encourage you, petition Jesus on your kids' behalves. Especially if you're anxious about uh, anything for them. Petition Jesus about that. Make a habit of petition. As a dad, take your case to Jesus and Jesus will help you. Uh, one of my absolute favourite verses, in the, or a couple of verses in the New Testament, is where Paul reminds us to petition the Lord for our needs. It says this in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and... Petition, exactly. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about five P's today. Prominence. That God wants to raise you to a place of serving and an example. That we're going to talk to you about prostrating before God or expressing your spirituality. Don't keep it all bottled up. And the first thing is talking about petition, which is asking fervently. But you know, let's just check out the story where we're at at the moment. So Jesus is surrounded by a crowd and the Jairus, the leader, has come and halfway through going to Heal Jairus' need, it's interrupted by a woman who has her immediate need. And at this moment, Jairus has to exercise patience. Patience. That word that we all find very difficult to enjoy. Jairus waited while Jesus paused to heal the woman. 
with this issue of her bleeding. And great dads, great people, wait patiently on the Lord. In fact, the psalmist says it this way in Psalm 40 verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me, and He heard my cry. This week, we took our team out to class for a team uh, day out. And uh, what we do is we make a we make a mixtape. We used to call it a mixtape, but now it's a Spotify list. And we all took a song in and we try and guess whose songs who. You wouldn't believe the songs that our chief team choose. And I think they choose them so that we wouldn't believe that we choose them. You know, I'm going to be thoughtful about the songs I put on mine. I'm trying to teach them something through the songs. They're just going, having a whale of a time. Should we talk about your heavy rock addiction? <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, church. You wouldn't believe it. I chose the song Ironic by Alanis Morissette. And what I was trying to teach my team is, is that stuff will happen what God will always come through for you. You'll need patience. God will always come through. He says, a traffic jam when you're already late. How many have experienced that? Oh, that resonated. A traffic jam when you're already late. Because you left too late. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> learning payoff, learning patience is always a kind of a playoff between your deep-seated values, what you think is important, and the immediate need presenting itself in front of you. If you ask Jairus, if, he, if his daughter was well, you ask him as a person, Jairus, do you believe that everybody deserves a touch from Jesus and everybody deserves healing? He would have said to you, of course, I believe that God wants to heal. But in that moment, when it's his daughter's life that's ebbing away and someone is interrupting Jesus' activity to heal his daughter, his deep value of, I believe everybody should have the same shot at God, Get pressed by what this is my needs. And I just want to remind you today that perhaps you need to tap down into your real values instead of jumping to those needs that are right in front of you first. Maybe you need to be reminded of what God spoke to you deeply in your heart rather than jumping to your needs. You see, Patience will always remind us about God's sovereignty. He's in control and God's timing. That He will come at the right time. It's about trusting His sovereignty and His timing. It's about Jairus saying, okay, even if she dies, He's got this. And that has proved to be true in a few moments' time. Do you trust that God has got everything under control for what you're waiting for? Can you hear an amen, church? And some of you may have had to say amen through pretty treat, but this is the lesson. God has everything under control and His timing is going to be right for you. Patience teaches us to trust. Amen? And that's what he's trying to do. He's not delaying on you because he's a big bully. He's delaying so he can build your trust. 
You know, in the midst of situations, I was praying in bed about this, this uh, message today. When Jairus is, is struggling here and he's having to wait, there's a don't bother moment. There's a moment where people come and say, oh, don't bother the master, it's gone now. And I just felt in my spirit, literally all morning, that some people are in a don't bother moment, a don't bother season. Oh, what's the use? And I just want to say to you, don't give up on God now because He's about to do more than you think. And so don't let that don't bother moment overcome the patience moment that says, I'm going to wait on the Lord and He will hear me. I just wonder if you're in a, oh, I'm not going to bother. And I just want to sense that God's saying, holding you back and saying no. I've still got this. Trust me. Patience. Let's look at the last characteristic. The last characteristic is persistence. Jairus persisted with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever seen the film uh, Sailing Private Ryan, uh, but if you have, you will have some idea from the opening scenes of that film uh, what it must be like to receive terrible news. Uh, there's this military barracks in America and they kind of figure out that this woman has got four of her sons off to war and that she's lost three of them. And they kind of have this hurried discussion while they're in the, in the military place and they say, actually, we need a few of us to go and tell her this because this isn't fair for one person to have, to have to say this news. And so they go together, they drive there and she kind of senses something not great is coming and then they tell her and she absolutely crumples to the floor. It's just a heartbreaking thing. And what happens to Jairus in this story is what no parent ever, ever wants to happen to them. Which is that somebody comes to tell them some terrible news. A report that their child has died. And in fact, it says, I'll just read it back again. It says that while Jesus was still speaking to the woman who had been healed, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. When, Jairus, sorry, when Jesus heard what happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith, she will be healed. Now, we don't kind of fully know what Jesus' reaction to the messenger was on the spot there, hearing that news, because the Bible doesn't go into that, but we do know that he remained composed enough to get back home with Jesus yeah. alongside him. Yeah. There's a phrase in English uh, which we use, which is the 11th hour. And it means leaving something to the last possible opportunity or moment or chance. And this situation with his daughter, with Jairus' daughter, seems to have gone not just to the 11th hour, but kind of beyond that. Because all the onlookers and the family and the people around the house, they, they, they know that child has died. And so for me, this last lesson of being a great dad on Father's Day from the example of Jairus is that Jairus demonstrated persistence. He was a persistent dad. He absolutely persisted with Jesus to the very end. And he went past the 11th hour, into the 12th hour, and into the 13th hour even. I love the fact that Jesus, uh, sorry, that Jairus heard two voices. He spotted that in this story. He hears two voices. The voice of the messenger bringing the bad news on the one hand, and yet on the other, the voice of Jesus encouraging him to keep on having faith and not be afraid. 
And he chose to listen to the voice of Jesus above all other voices. And it allowed him to keep a tiny flame of hope alive. And he didn't give up. And there's something inside of Dad that's prepared to rise up and fight for our kids, no matter what it takes or how hard it gets. And we want to see something through that kind of iron persistence that Jairus models to us. And this story shows us that faith with persistence pays off. Jairus wins this fantastic prize of seeing his daughter revive from death. Mark's version of this story gives us an incredible little phrase that's one of the most wonderful things from the New Testament. Jesus uses the Aramaic and he says, Talakaku to the little girl, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Awesome thing that Jesus says. And it must have been absolutely incredible and wonderful for Jairus and his family to have seen this little girl kind of revived and come back through, to see her come through that 13th hour miracle. Great dads persist way past what anyone else, what anyone else might consider as reasonable in trying their best for their kids, and they press on in to those 13th-hour situations. And here's a, here's a bigger thought for us all today as we kind of consider what Jairus shows us as this desperate dad. In going to the cross, Jesus embodies Father God's persistence to us. Yeah, there was a time in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus wrestled with that responsibility and his mission, but he submitted to his Father's will and he submitted himself to the Father's plan and he endured and persisted through the cross for us. And God, as our Heavenly Father, he persists for us through the actions and example and life of his Son Jesus to a very great degree. Great dads persist for their sons and daughters. Uh, and so I'd say to all of us as dads on Father's Day, just as God is consistent with us as our Heavenly Father, be consistent with your kids because they need it. They really do. I want to ask the team if you'll come and join us just for a few moments. And just take you just for a moment with you all. And the worship team just come. But just talking to everyone today, God wants to raise you to a prominence. He wants to raise you to a position. He wants to speak to your place of serving. God wants you to know that He wants you to express the way that you express, but shouldn't be afraid to prostrate ourselves to God and to say, God, I'm desperate. You see, expression is often about desperation. If we were so desperate about our country, if we were so upset about our country, we wouldn't care about expression. When you've got a need that is really important, you're not worried about how you look. And so as a person today, I wonder in our Instagramming culture whether or not we can drop some of that and say, God, I just want to come openly to you. I wonder today whether you can just ask, what is on your heart? That you're petitioned on as a person. There's a dad, yes, but 
the sons and daughters and ladies and gentlemen today. I wonder today whether you're just in the middle of a situation where you need patience. Whether you're in that, oh, I don't want to bother them. I just wonder if you can say on this Father's Day, Father, give me the strength to press in. And as Nick has just said, we need to persist. You know, Jesus went all the way to the cross for you. And he wants to breathe that grace in your life. So being a Christian dad, being a Christian, being a person, and the lesson for us all is that life is going to hit us with some things that we're going to have to deal with and we've got to keep going. Hey, just say that out loud with me. Keep going. But you've got to engage spiritually and not bottled it up. You've got to engage socially and connect with some people. But you know what? You've got to engage with yourself. So I wonder if you just stand with me just for a few moments as we close our service. Because really our message to you today is this, don't shut down. Don't switch off. Don't clamp down on your spirituality. Jairus, no matter what his standing was in the community for him, he said, no, I'm going for this. I'm not shutting down. Who disengage become estranged. You see that in relationships. When relationships don't engage, when that extra time isn't taken, then estrangement comes in. That that drifting. Maybe that's some pain in your life today about the different estrangement you may have in your life. But can I say, it starts with you having an open heart to say, okay God, I'm engaging with you. So, I wonder if you could just put your hand on the shoulder of a dad or a... Yeah, maybe a dad near you. Or just somebody or a friend that you've come with. Because like Jairus, when you're desperate enough, 